If you're looking to level up your points redemptions and make the most out of your points and miles, make sure you check out our step-by-step -step video tutorials on the GeoBreeze Travel YouTube channel. And if you're looking to level up your points earning game and get access to points earning techniques that you won't often find online, we're opening up for another cohort of my signature course, the Points Accelerator, very soon. You'll get access to exclusive offers like earning five points per dollar on fee-free Visa and MasterCard gift cards anytime you want without having to leave your couch to drive to Staples. Sign up for the waitlist by going to geobreezetravel.com waitlist and check out what some of our students have to say about the course. My name is Janet. I am a student in Julia's Points Accelerator course. I joined shortly after one of her informational webinars and I have found it to be very helpful. What I like about the course is that she has helped me to continue to earn points after the set. I'm not a big card churner, so it's important that I earn points on a slow and steady kind of basis. In terms of my big redemption, next February we'll be taking our children and grandchildren to the Bahamar in Nassau, Bahamas. It's a four-star Category 6 Hyatt and we need three rooms. If we paid cash, I would have had to spend about $16,000. Instead, I spent about 360,000 World of Hyatt points and Chase Ultimate Rewards points that I transferred into my Hyatt account, which makes that $16,000 experience a lot more palatable. Thanks, Julia, for the training. Double dipping would not be covered. For instance, if the airline pays you something for your damaged bag, your trip insurance isn't going to pay you for that damaged bag as well. There may be some coverage for what's not paid for by the airline. That's where trip insurance, travel insurance would pick up. But double dipping itself is typically not covered. However, the inconvenience coverages are simply triggered by something that happens. So if your flight is canceled, you get $200. You don't have to show us that you spent $200, for instance. And if there's another underlying coverage that could apply, that's where there could be, I'm going to call it overlap instead of double dipping. So if you have, for instance, a flight delay of six hours and that qualifies for $200 and it caused you to spend the night in the hotel, that night in the hotel may be covered under travel delay and you could be reimbursed for that. At the same time, you're getting that $200 to compensate for your inconvenience. Hey there, points people. You just heard a clip from Jeff Rollander, the vice president of claims at Fay Travel Insurance, a new modern travel insurance company that hit the market last year. Jeff has over 20 years of experience in claims management, working for Allianz before heading to Fay to lead a claims department focused on providing delightful, fast experiences for travelers. Fay provides whole trip insurance, meaning it protects your flights, hotels, luggage, and your health. And they're there for the fun parts of travel too. Their 24-7 customer support team can help you with tour suggestions, restaurant recommendations, and even find where the nearest ATM or pharmacy is, in addition to helping you get reimbursed if something on your trip doesn't go according to plan. In this episode, Jeff and I discuss different trip protections that travelers often don't realize that they're entitled to, and where it might make sense to get supplementary travel insurance like Faye. P.S. This episode is hashtag not sponsored, and I don't have a referral link or anything for you if you do decide to buy a trip protection plan from Faye. We just made this episode because I get a lot of requests in my DMs asking how much compensation you can get from different travel mishaps like canceled or delayed flights. Before we jump into the episode, I also have a short segment for you that goes over how to find the trip protections on some of the most popular points and miles credit cards and what those trip protections cover. So before we jump straight into the podcast episode, there are a few different resources that I would recommend checking out as well. And I'm just going to show you how to find these on Google. So the first one is if you search for the Department of Transportation dashboard, you should find this first link, Airline Customer Service Dashboard. 
And this will have a whole list of different things that airlines will cover for controllable cancellations and controllable delays. It will vary by airline on whether they will rebook you on the same airline at no additional cost. Pretty much everybody should be doing that. If they can rebook you on a partner airline, which most of them will, except for the ones that don't have any partner airlines. Like for example, Allegiant, Frontier, Southwest, and Spirit aren't part of an airline alliance, so they can't really book you with a partner airline because they don't have partners. They'll say which ones have complimentary hotel accommodation, so Frontier does not, pretty much everybody else will here. And if you click on the name of a particular airline, that customer service dashboard will take you straight to the terms and conditions for your airline. So you can see exactly what your airline covers. And that's where the Department of Transportation is sourcing their information as well. And so you have all of this for the airline customer service. And then they also have the commitments for fee-free family seating, which only Alaska, American, and Frontier will guarantee adjacent seats for children 13 and under and an accompanying adult at no additional cost. So in addition to what's covered under just U.S. Department of Transportation rules, you can Google what's covered under each of your different credit cards. So for example here, if you search for Chase Sapphire Preferred or Chase Sapphire Reserve, and then the words trip protection, very early on in the Google results, you should see something about your credit card benefits and rewards. So here's an example for Chase Sapphire Preferred. And then you will have a section that says protections. And you can expand all of these and they will say exactly what you will have covered with trip cancellation or trip interruption protection. With the Chase Sapphire Preferred, this is going to be reimbursed up to $10,000 per person or $20,000 per trip for your prepaid non-refundable travel expenses, including passenger fares, tours, and hotels. For trip delay reimbursement, if your common carrier travel is delayed more than 12 hours or requires an overnight stay, you and your family are covered for unreimbursed expenses such as meals and lodging up to $500 per ticket if you paid for your stuff for the Chase Sapphire Preferred. Travel accident insurance. When you pay for your air, bus, train, or cruise transportation with your card, you're eligible to receive accidental death or dismemberment coverage up to a half million dollars. Hopefully nobody actually ever needs to use that, but it does happen sometimes. Lost luggage reimbursement is going to be much more common. If you or an immediate family member check or carry-on luggage and it's damaged or lost by the carrier, you're covered up to $3,000 per passenger, not per bag. So you can't just check five bags in there. You have bag delay insurance that covers up to $100 per day for up to five days, travel and emergency assistance, auto rental collision damage waiver. We talk about this more in the podcast episode, but the short story here is that whenever you're renting a car, always pay those taxes and fees and everything with your Chase Sapphire Preferred or Chase Sapphire Reserve so you don't have to pay for the extra insurance. Whenever you are booking a flight, even with points, if you pay for the flights, taxes and fees with your Chase FR card, the trip protections are going to kick in there as well. You have access to roadside dispatch. If you have a roadside emergency and they can do things like towing or jumpstarting, car tire changes, lockout services, gas delivery. So that'll come in handy as well. And then you also have account security and protection, such as fraud protections, your liability protection, fraud alerts purchase protection. So this will cover new purchases for 120 days against damage or theft, up to $500 per claim and up to $50,000 per account. Hopefully you're not filing hundreds of claims per year, but it does happen where you might have to file more than one. 
You have extended warranty protection, chip enabled for your Chase Sapphire Preferred. And for each of these, there are certain terms and conditions and directions for how to submit a claim. So make sure you click on learn more if any of these do apply to you. And then you can just Google the same thing with your other cards as well. Another popular one is the Amex Platinum. So if you just search for American Express Platinum Trip Protections, you will find this page on trip cancellation and trip interruption insurance, depending on what American Express card you have, whether you have the black card or the platinum card or a corporate platinum or a business platinum, that will differ on what's covered. So if you wanted to go for the platinum card and click on view guide to benefits, you will get this whole PDF, including key terms of what different things mean, who's covered under your family. That would include a spouse, domestic partner, or a married dependent child up to age 19 or under age 26 if they're a full-time student at an accredited college or university. So this is just good to know who is covered under what, what covered losses would include. So here it will say trip cancellations or trip interruptions that result from accidentally bodily injury, loss of life, sickness, eligible transfer, traveling companion, or anybody who's in your traveling party. If it's inclement weather, which prevents a reasonable and prudent person from traveling or continuing on a covered trip. If you have a change in military orders, terrorist actions, or hijacking. And so these covered losses are going to differ between different cards. So just make sure that you understand what's covered under each of your cards that you're using to pay for your trip. I know a lot of times some people will be like, oh, we're spending $3,000 on plane tickets. We should just put that on our newest card so that we can easily meet minimum spend. But then you are giving up these trip coverages a lot if you're just using something like, I think the World of Hyatt card doesn't have a lot of these trip protections. So just keep that in mind too on what card you want to use to buy flights and hotels and all of these other travel purchases. This has definitions for trip cancellation, trip interruption, terms of coverage, coverage limitations. So here would be maximum benefit amount of $10,000 for trip cancellation insurance and $20,000 for a whole covered trip. It's also important to pay attention to what's not covered. So pre-existing conditions, declared or undeclared war, which is different than a terrorist attack. Participation in sporting activity where you receive a salary or prize money. If you are intoxicated at the time of the incident, that is something that can negate your eligibility for reimbursement. So keep that in mind. They exclude certain things where you know it's just because somebody did something and they had to write it in. Like they don't cover parachutes, parachuting from an aircraft. So no skydiving. If you get hurt from that, that's absolutely not covered. Anything where you're doing something illegal. So don't do illegal things. Or if the travel agency or tour operator just becomes financially insolvent and goes bankrupt, that's not going to be covered either. So there's also directions in here for how to file a claim. I'm not going to read all of this through because there is a lot of stuff in here, but it is good to Google your trip protections that come with your cards that you're usually using and just find out what's covered there. You'll find the same thing with Capital One, where if you just search for All About Venture X and then your guide to your card benefits and your trip protections here, this one looks even more dense. This is, looks like it was a brochure that was folded up in about 10 pieces and then they just scanned it in. But here you'll see what you get with auto collision dammer waivers again, visa infinite coverage. This is really, really fine print. Trip delay reimbursements, what documents you would need to submit for each of these, lost luggage reimbursement, purchase security, extended warranty protection, 
Cell phone protection is an important one as well. So just make sure that you are searching for these and Googling these before you go on your next trip or before you purchase any additional trip insurance because you do want to understand what's covered by your card and also importantly, what is not covered by your card. So with that, we will go ahead and jump into today's episode. If you'd like to follow along on the GeoBreeze Travel YouTube channel, you'll be able to see the visuals of what I'm describing there as well. One of those cards we'll go over is the Chase Sapphire Preferred, which comes with trip protections like trip delay reimbursement of up to $500 per ticket, lost luggage reimbursement of up to $3,000 per passenger, and trip cancellation insurance of up to $10,000 per passenger or $20,000 per trip. Remember, if you decide to apply for the Chase Sapphire Preferred or any other card, please never apply directly through Google. Always use a friend or creator's referral link. And if you're interested in supporting this show when you apply for your next card, check out geobreezetravel.com cards. And if you're not sure what card is right for you, I offer free credit card consultations at geobreezetravel.com consultations. We have links to the Chase Sapphire Preferred and the free consultation form for you in the show notes as well. And now, on with the show. Welcome to the GeoBreeze Travel Podcast, a show for anyone wanting to level up their travel hacking lifestyle. I'm your host, Julia Menez. I'm a travel hacker, coach, speaker, Filipina-American ENTJ who loves solid travel gear and using shortcuts on spreadsheets. On this show, I'm on a mission to bring you travel hackers from all walks of life to help you level up your travel hacking game. We dive into credit cards, miles, points, strategy, mindset, and the secrets behind how to travel the world for next to no cost. So let's get hacking. Hey, Jeff, welcome to the GeoReach Travel Podcast. Hey, how are you? I'm good, and I'm excited to chat with you today about a topic that people are always wondering about, which is, hey, something went wrong with my flight. How much money can I get out of this thing going wrong? Before we get into all of the details with that, tell us a little bit about yourself and your background, and how did you get into the wonderful world of travel insurance? Happy to do so. I realized coming into this that I've got 30, over 30 years of claims now, most recently being at Allianz Partners, where I was for 20 years, helping to, that company to grow into the industry leader that it has become. I was super excited to join Faye uh, about a year and a half ago, because it's disrupting the travel industry and bringing some some real improvements to, to a legacy field that has struggled with a lot of things in the past. And I think it leaves travelers frustrated, confused about how things will work. They don't understand the product. They don't understand the processes for things. Faye, we're trying to do things differently and really bring a fresh perspective like that, being person first and coupling superior service with top-notch technology. So that, that's what made me really excited about joining Faye. Yeah, when you mentioned words like frustrating and confused, I think a lot of people just feel that way about travel insurance in general and like what's covered and what's not. So what are some of the biggest mistakes that people make when it comes to trip insurance other than just not having it or not knowing when they have it? Those themselves are, are significant mistakes. Not knowing when you need it is probably one of the biggest things, but the, the four Mistakes that I guess I could think of coming into this is thinking that your credit card insurance will provide you comprehensive travel coverage, purchasing trip protection on one of the flight websites instead of buying a comprehensive package, not buying travel insurance for domestic trips, and only buying travel insurance if, you're, if your trip is super expensive. So in, in reality, all of these things can really be a costly for a customer. And let me, let me dive into just a couple of them a little bit more. Your credit card, in fact, won't protect your whole trip like trip ins- comprehensive trip insurance will. You may get reimbursed for certain things in certain ways after a certain period of time, to be clear. 
but a comprehensive travel insurance package offers you a suite of benefits that's going to be superior to that, including things like lost baggage, trip cancellation, trip interruption, and medical coverage. And not all of those things are always included in credit card packages. So as far as traveling domestically or internationally, I think people most often think about an international trip in the context of needing travel insurance, but it can help a domestic trip as well. If you've got a significant investment in a domestic trip or, or you want to have protection for delays or things like that that can certainly happen in domestic trips, the travel insurance is a valuable commodity for sure. Before we jump into comprehensive, so what do like the more limited plans cover? Like sometimes a lot of people know that they have coverage that is provided by a card like MX Platinum or Chase Sapphire Preferred or Chase Sapphire Reserve, but they're like, it doesn't cover everything, but it covers some things. What are some of those things that are already covered by those types of cards? Some of the things that are covered, it really depends on the card and certain things are covered under one card and, and certain things are not covered under other cards. For instance, medical coverage may be included in some cards and is not included in fact in many cards. Trip cancellation may be included in some card packages and not in others. So it's really difficult to say credit cards always give you these three things while travel insurance gives you these 12 things. It's that credit cards typically offer less in some combination of those other things than the comprehensive travel insurance. For example, the Chase Sapphire preferred one of the common things that people know it'll cover is the auto rental collision damage yep. waiver. So if you're renting a car, you should put that on a Chase Sapphire Preferred or Chase Sapphire Reserve because then you don't have to pay for that extra auto insurance for like the comprehensive and collision there. Or if you have trip cancellation and trip interruption insurance by like a major storm or something like that, if it's like a named hurricane, that'll sometimes be covered. But if you just decide... I don't want to take this trip anymore because it got really cold in my destination and it's not a tropical vacation anymore. That's not going to be covered. I think that's a good point. And you're right. Rental car coverage is probably the thing that is most commonly found on credit cards. In fact, I think lately there may have even been some changes to that where some are no longer offering it where they were. But as far as a baseline coverage found on many credit cards, auto rental insurance is probably the most common. Good, good point. Yeah. And then for trip interruption or trip cancellation, if it's something like you got injured on the way there, like you got into a car accident on the way to the airport, that's probably going to be covered by like Chase or Amex or something, or really severe weather, like a named storm, like a hurricane. If there is a terrorist event, that's going to be covered according to their terms and conditions. You have jury duty or subpoenas, or you had to be quarantined or something. Those were some of the cases where you more likely would be covered. For trip interruption, are there cases where you probably wouldn't be covered and you would need some more comprehensive coverage, like if you just decide you didn't want to go? Well, there there are options for when you decide you don't want to go. Cancel for any reason coverage is something that credit cards, I don't believe, offer anywhere. And cancel for any reason coverage is certainly an optional coverage with many travel insurance policies. I'll mention that also, Faye offers cancel for any reason coverage, and that provides you that flexibility that you're describing. So if you just decide, I don't want to go, I've got something else that's going on, or if there is an event that wouldn't be covered, not among the list of things that you just described, because that list is comp comparable to what you get with a travel insurance policy as well. This gives you the flexibility to just say, nope, that destination doesn't 
doesn't work for me right now. That trip doesn't work. And I'm going to get at least a good portion of my money back for that. Because like with a Chase Sapphire, if you do have trip cancellation, that'll reimburse you up to 10000 per person for each covered trip or up to 20000 total for covered trip. So you can't just have like eight people on the same trip and get 80 grand. But like 20000 is not bad at all. So that's something that you can get with trip cancellation insurance that comes with your card. But like we were talking about, they do have limits to what would count as a covered loss, accidental body injury, severe weather, change of military orders, terrorist attacks, quarantine, and then things that aren't covered are if you cancel or change your flight, if you have your flight canceled or changed by the carrier, but they put you on a much more inconvenient flight. I think that's something that a lot of people are confused about because they're like, well, it was going to be a direct flight, but then they routed me through six different airports and it was still super inconvenient. A lot of people don't really get money in that situation. Is that right? Especially with credit cards, it's very unlikely that there would be money to be reimbursed there. And with, in fact, some travel insurance policies, that may not be something that's reimbursable. <clears throat> the FAE policy does have a suite of trip inconvenience coverages, is what we call them, that provide a, a cash benefit triggered by something that happens like you're describing. So a flight cancellation might put $200 in your pocket, a flight delay of more than six hours, might put $200 in your pocket and actually then perhaps be combined with travel delay coverage, which could reimburse you for some things that you lose or spend. So some of those inconvenience coverages are a way that the travel insurance policies have evolved to meet the needs of customers who are finding themselves struggling with some of the troubles that we all have when we're traveling lately. So yes, good point. How does somebody double dip into something like that where they're trying to get reimbursement from the airline and then maybe also their credit card, but then also a trip insurance? Is that allowed to double dip? So typically not. So let's be clear that typically not um, double dipping would not be covered. For instance, if the airline pays you something for your damaged bag, your trip insurance isn't going to pay you for that damaged bag as well. There may be some coverage for what's not paid for by the airline. That's where trip insurance, travel insurance would pick up. But double dipping itself is typically not covered. However, the inconvenience coverages are simply triggered by something that happens. So if your flight is canceled, you get $200. You don't have to show us that you spent $200, for instance. And if there's another underlying coverage that could apply, that's where there could be, I'm going to call it overlap instead of double dipping. So if you have, for instance, a flight delay of six hours and that qualifies for $200, and it caused you to spend the night in the hotel, that night in the hotel may be covered under travel delay, and you could be reimbursed for that. At the same time, you're getting that $200 to compensate for your inconvenience. So let's say that you do end up in that situation, the airline is nicer than they have been in the past few months, and they're like, we'll cover your hotel, but then you file a claim with the credit card as well, but then you're also trying to file a claim with your trip insurance. How do you guys guard against that because like you mentioned you're not supposed to do that yes so so we we do routinely have to uh, address whether a customer has been refunded by anyone else including the airlines for those expenses that they incurred and hotel expenses are one of the places where sometimes i guess i would say that happens not not a ton of times but sometimes reimbursement for meals and some things things like that if they've got receipts for them it's probably not that they have also filed those receipts with the airline although it's possible i guess broadly speaking yes we have to confirm that they they're not double dipping 
when we're talking about the standard coverages like travel delay and things like that. These inconvenience coverages I'm mentioning are kind of on top of that. I don't need to know that the airline paid for your hotel if I'm covering you for that trip inconvenience flight delay coverage for $200. That's, we're, we're all good. As soon as we identify that's been a delay of six hours, you're getting that $200 regardless. But then if somebody is trying to basically commit insurance fraud and say, hey, can you reimburse me for this hotel too? And even though the credit card company already reimbursed them, are you coordinating with credit card companies at that point? Or how do you make sure like the coordination of payout doesn't get abused for everybody who is playing the game fairly? It's not perfect in this regard, clearly. So we can find out from the airline and we know when the airline will typically pay for things, especially in the context of things like baggage where we know that there should be a refund in these circumstances. Things like airline tickets, we know when customers should be refunded and we'll address that in a particular way. When we think that they might've been reimbursed by their credit card company, we're gonna ask if they've been reimbursed by their credit card company, but we don't have a secret network where we can find out the Chase page of $50 and we're gonna pay you $10 as, a, as the remainder. It's not a perfect world in that regard, admittedly. So as you do kind of go through that algorithm to say you should have gotten money from the airline for these situations, what are those situations where somebody might not know that the airline should be giving them money for inconveniences? So it's clear in certain contexts in certain places. So for instance, in Europe, there are passenger bills of rights, they call them consumer protection acts or things like that. But the, it's it's more clearly spelled out in Europe that a delay of this length of time will result in this commitment or obligation from the airline. And we we know that. So when we've got a, a U.S. customer traveling to Europe on a Europe-based airline, those kinds of regulations apply. And we know what they should be getting. Yeah, for anybody who's curious about that, can search the Wikipedia page for EU 261. Usually, if you are delayed like four hours, you can get 600 euro or something like that. And it'll scale down from there. And that's per person. And it'll apply if you are flying from Europe to anywhere or if you are flying on a European carrier over to Europe. So if you are flying from the U.S. to Europe, if you're flying, let's say, Air France from New York over to France and you're delayed, you would be eligible for that EU 261 regulation trip delay reimbursement. But unfortunately, if you are flying United or American Airlines or Delta from New York over to France, that is not going to qualify. If you are flying United or American Airlines or Delta from France back to the U.S., you would qualify because you're still on EU territory at that point. So... That's a, that's a popular one is EU 261, where you know you should be getting some kind of reimbursement for that. And you can find all the rules about that on their Wikipedia page. What other instances would you know that somebody should be getting compensation from the airlines? Yeah, in the US, it's, it's less clear. For instance, in baggage kinds of scenarios, it's a little more clearly laid out that they will pay X amount of dollars for a bag when it's been determined to be lost and they'll describe layout when what the time frame is to determine that it's not just delayed but it's actually lost so we have access to that for the different airlines different delays can result there are some regulations in the US now that will that a tarmac delay of more than x amount of time obligates the airline to a certain delay what we find oftentimes is that the airlines have become savvy about the places where they would be obligated. And actually, the times that we're sitting on an airplane waiting for it to take off, 
of all the problems that we have lately flying, perhaps because that is one that's specifically addressed in regulation, that's not one that we find as often. We find that, in fact, flights being delayed or flights canceled or things like that, but sitting on an airplane while it's not moving is a less common thing perhaps because that regulation specifically addresses that. Yeah, and if you guys Google the U.S. Department of Transportation Aviation Customer Protection Guidelines, you can actually search by airline what each one of them will commit to. So they have pretty much all of the domestic airlines on here, Alaska, Allegiant, American, Delta, Frontier, Hawaiian, JetBlue, Southwest, Spirit, and United. I found that JetBlue is actually one of the better ones for reimbursing you for different delays because they do have the JetBlue customer bill of rights. So they are also really nice in that they pay you automatically. So if you are delayed by a couple hours, you just automatically see $150 or whatever their policy is just sitting into your JetBlue account. So that's really nice that you don't have to fill out a whole bunch of paperwork to get your reimbursement for them. And then there's also a whole bunch of other things on this dashboard. Like all airlines need to rebook you if your flight's just not going to go. They either need to reimburse you. And if it's by credit card, it has to be within seven days. And you have to get rebooked if they're not going to reimburse you. If they do rebook you, though, they don't necessarily owe you any extra money. I know a lot of people get confused about that. We were talking about that a little bit earlier. But just because they book you on a less convenient route doesn't, unfortunately necessarily mean that they owe you anything. But if you are involuntarily bumped from a flight, that's where you can get a lot, a lot yeah, of money. That's yeah. very true. And so this this customer protection dashboard has a wealth of information. I can link to it in the show notes as well. But there are commitments for controllable delays as well as controllable cancellations if it's deemed that that this is because the airline messed up and it wasn't due to something like weather and it was out of the control of the person flying. Then you can look through all of these different things and find when they do owe you vouchers or anything else like that. That's helpful, thank you. So we've been talking about things that people would maybe hope to be covered, but actually aren't. What about some good news the other way around? What are some travel claims that people wouldn't be expecting to be covered, but actually they could get money out of that for either through airlines or credit cards or trip insurance? I guess when I, I think of this, I do think mostly in terms of travel insurance, so my response will be focused there, I will admit. But the big thing that seems to me that has changed in this regard is COVID itself, frankly. There were a lot of, there was a lot of uncertainty. There was a lot of lack of clarity, frankly, about what travel insurance covered when we were coming into COVID. And a lot of people may have had experiences where their claim was not covered when they had a COVID-related loss. What we've seen and what we've specifically done at Fay is to build coverage that directly addresses COVID. So we now have, um, we have emergency medical coverage that specifically covers COVID like any other illness. So if you're on a trip and you contract COVID, you, you're clearly covered for the expenses associated with being treated for that. Coupling that with uh, travel delay coverage that includes coverage for quarantine. So if you're required to stay where you are and get better for it, but before you can return, those expenses can be covered under travel delay as well. And then the last piece is covering cancellations for contracting COVID, which is another thing that was sometimes excluded, sometimes not included, sometimes handled vaguely, but coming into COVID has been clarified largely, and especially at Faye, where that's specifically covered as any other illness. I think that might be one of the bigger surprises that people would have. It's a positive development coming out of something that was very confusing 
and really very frustrating for lots of customers a couple of years ago. Are you guys seeing a, a lot of claims still rolling in for that? Because I don't know if I want to say like, oh, it's over. Like we should we should be able to get back to life as normal. But if there was something that was like COVID that kind of evolved from there, another variant or something where it's not necessarily COVID, is that still covered or are you seeing a lot of claims for that? So maybe I'll break that into two pieces. So COVID itself, we are still seeing some volume associated with that. Nothing like what, what we saw in 2020 or things like that. But it's still, I, I, I imagine you know people who still gotten it over the last few months. I, I do. I've got family members who got it within the last three to four months. It's still out there. Whether or not a, a new pandemic would be covered is probably a separate question. Uh, it's not that all pandemics or epidemics are now covered. It's that we've specifically worked to identify COVID as a manageable illness that can be covered under that illness benefit itself. So as people kind of navigate the world of travel insurance, what are some of the main pain points that people have other than just not really knowing how to navigate it at all? So I, I think that the biggest pain points in travel insurance are, maybe I can think of it in three dimensions. One is a product that can be full of lots of legalese and jargon. Another is service and a process that at sometimes can be nothing more than a frustrating reimbursement service. Send me lots and lots of things. And after I get lots and lots of things, maybe I'll send you some money. And the third is the time sort of associated with that middle piece. Those delays can be quite substantial and, and much worse than they were before COVID. So I think those kinds of frustrations, not understanding the product, not understanding the process that you go through at claim time and then having to wait a long time are the things that Faye tried to and, and has successfully addressed with better product, clearer product, clearer coverage, a shorter claims processing time, and an easier claims process, in, including some of those trip inconvenience claims where it's simply knowing that a trigger has been met and paying them quickly through our Fay wallet, which is an electronic payment device where some suddenly you can get money nearly instantly. So that's how we've addressed those pain points. Who all is covered under this? Like if I were a primary policy holder on it, obviously like I would hope spouse or any kids that I hypothetically have, I don't actually have any kids, but they would be covered. What about like if my parents were traveling and had some kind of delay, would that be covered under this at all? So, so typically what you would need to do, and, and our policy works this way, is, and as do most, here's a place where credit cards might cover groups of people in one way. A travel insurance policy, you're going to need to specifically list who's traveling with you and make sure that they're covered coming into it. That's one of those places that travel insurance needs to be very clear about in the beginning in order to make sure that you know these people are covered and that everybody you want to be covered is. Okay. Yeah. So for like example, on a Chase credit card, if you are the primary holder of a Chase Sapphire Preferred or Chase Sapphire Reserve or something, even if you're not traveling with your children or your spouse, but then they get into some kind of trip delay, they are covered under that still as well. Is that the case for Faye, if you just list them down, even if you're not traveling with them? If your kids are traveling with you and you list them on the policy, they're entitled to the same benefits you are. What if you're not traveling with them? What if they're traveling on their own? Like you sent them to camp or something? You could buy a policy for them, sending them to camp, and that would typically be fine. Okay, cool. Can you buy these for anybody? Like if I had extended family I wanted to buy these for, can you cover extended family on these? 
a policy of insurance can be purchased and cover nearly anyone. So that that shouldn't be a problem. Yeah, that would be a main difference between those and Chase, where as the primary holder, if I were the primary holder, I can't really cover my parents or my siblings or anything else like that, because that would be extended outside of the nuclear family unit of usually just says it's covering the cardholder and their spouse and then dependent children under a certain age. So that would be something that's different between trip insurance and what's covered under credit cards. So what is the process for requesting reimbursement through this process? Since I know that one of the things Faye's trying to do is make this easier, like you mentioned, you don't want it to just be this endless cycle of paperwork of trying to get your money. Right. So what we've built a process that's that's focused on our app that we're very proud of, and we'll take a claim however anybody wants to get it to us. If it's snail mail, if it's, we could probably sort out a fax if somebody wanted to fax it to us. But but the thing that probably the best and easiest channel and the channel that most people use is, is the app where we make it very easy to initiate a claim, answer a few brief questions, and then supplies the required documentation a couple, three things typically in most instances, that gets your claim initiated. We can then review it within just a few days after that. And then if the claim is covered, we can pay you automatically to that Fay wallet so that you're reimbursed instantly. There's no wait time associated with, well, they said they're gonna pay me and now it's a week later and I'm still waiting for the mail or whatever to get me my paper check. When it's in your Fay wallet, how do you cash that out? Can you just cash that out as a check or uh, PayPal or how do you get that money? So it works, it connects to either Apple Pay or Google Pay, uh, and you can tap it just like you, you would your phone. You can also press a button and have it transferred to your bank account if that's what you'd prefer to do, and then it's in your bank account to do with however you want. How fast is the processing normally, and what kind of paperwork does somebody need? So typically, the, the, pro the, the paperwork that's needed for any claim comes down to, and again, I'm talking now not about those claims that are triggered by something happening that we could perhaps monitor via the airline. So we know your trip was delayed by seven hours. We can get that information ourselves and pay you for those trip inconvenience claims. For the, for the claims that are more of a reimbursement basis, it comes down to telling us what happened and how much you lost. That's really, those are the things that we need to have in any kind of an instance. So you didn't go on your trip. Can you explain to us why you didn't go on your trip? And you probably need a note from the doctor. The most common reason not to go on a trip is an illness. You would need something from the doctor proving that. And then you just need to tell us, I had a $2,500 airfare. Here's information from the airline that I didn't get a refund. We're done. In that last piece, what if you, the airline is just not communicating where you're like, hey, can I get a refund? And they just haven't been saying anything. So you don't really have proof that you got a refund or that you didn't get a refund. It's just silence. What do you do then? We can help a lot of times in trying to chase that information down. We certainly will do that. There are cases where we know that a, a flight could be refundable and we may try harder to get that refund on a, on a ticket that we know is refundable, ticket that we know is less refundable. For instance, we may not even ask for that refund information. But if it's a situation where the, we've tried, the, the customer has tried, we're not going to hold things up forever waiting for that. We're going to make a reasonable decision. Yeah, that makes sense. If somebody was trying to file this through like Chase or Amex, they do have card benefit services. You can find it pretty easily just by Googling file a Chase trip protection claim or Amex trip protection claim. Sometimes like you can use the Amex concierge to move things along if it gets stuck in the process. But 
it's a pretty easy process in theory to just Google and find whether it moves along. What airlines do you see the most claims? People who are traveling Delta or American or United recognize that there's probably good reason to protect what they're spending on their ticket because they're less likely to be refunded. Interesting, because with United, usually you can just get stuff back into your United Travel Bank. Same with JetBlue. Yeah, American Airlines has waived all of like the redeposit fees or cancellation fees or everything as well. Some of that has changed over the last couple of years. So that, that, that has improved overall over the last couple of years. And maybe they're catching up a little bit with where Southwest is now. I'm surprised the answer wasn't something like Allegiant or Spirit or something like that, where those like the ultra low cost carriers, I know that it might not be a great overlap between the people who are buying those low cost airlines and people who are buying the extra trip insurance. Most people just pay for a more expensive airline, but I'm surprised that the answer wasn't something like Allegiant or Spirit because looking back at that DOT customer dashboard, Allegiant covers barely anything. If something goes wrong, you're just kind of out of luck if that happens. Yeah, yeah. definitely the low cost carriers, whether domestic or international, are typically less likely to reimburse overall. Probably the same philosophy that has you paying for a bottle of water also is reflected in their compensation for when things go wrong or when you're not able to use your ticket. Definitely. So do you guys see a lot of claims for those types of airlines or is it just that the kind of person and their market who usually buys these airlines usually isn't an overlap with somebody who buys trip insurance? I'll say it this way. If if we had an evenly distributed portion of customers flying on all of the airlines, I bet we would see a disproportionate number of claims from those airlines. Because okay. of some of the factors we've discussed, people are more likely to, to buy travel insurance when they're traveling internationally for more expensive trips. Some of those things that we talked about are probably driving less visibility into those low-cost carriers and the, the, the pain they probably leave with their customers because they're not offering any help and those customers didn't buy travel insurance to begin with. Yeah, I sometimes get like these horror story DMs of people being like, hey, I booked this flight on Allegiant or Spirit or wherever and I used a debit card and everything that we could have expected to go wrong did go wrong. What can be done? And unfortunately, and of course they don't buy trip insurance. So unfortunately there's just not that lot that can be done in that case. But do you guys have to process a lot of claims for things other than airlines? Or is it vast majority airlines? Yeah, most of the trips that we are insuring have an airline component to them. There's plenty of people that are insuring their cruise or their tour or their photography safari in, in Africa and plenty of other things that come with that. So it's not just that we have policies that cover airline tickets only. That's not the case with us as it is with some other companies. But yeah, I would say most, maybe even nearly all, involve an airline component to them. Is there a region of the world where people tend to gravitate towards trip insurance a little bit more, whether it is domestic or a specific continent outside of North America? Yeah, there, there is. At Allianz, I worked with a lot of European colleagues and their travel insurance market is, well, they would call it more developed. I would just say that there's a, a lot more visibility and awareness of the need for travel insurance for European travelers. And I think that's reflected in other places ac across the globe. I know some other colleagues that live in the Middle East are more likely to buy 
travel insurance. I think some of the other, probably South America might be an outlier. I'm not sure how much penetration there is there, but Europe Europe is definitely a place where the penetration for travel insurance, the likelihood of a traveler buying travel insurance is much higher than it is here. Which is interesting because of EU 261. Wouldn't we think they're just already covered? I think there's some, I, I'm sure that has some impact. I think medical is probably a lot of the driver behind those things, making sure that they have medical coverage when they're somewhere outside their home country. How do you guys coordinate with medical insurance? Like if I already have my own health insurance, but I am traveling abroad or something and you guys have to do some kind of coordination of benefits, how does that work? Yeah. Um, so what we what we did specifically for our international our policies that are for international trips are written with medical insurance on a primary basis which means that if you need medical attention while you're traveling we're going to pay first and sort out if there's any other potential coverage to coordinate later on down the line we did that deliberately to make sure that we don't have somebody who's in dire need of something and we've got to talk to the U.S. healthcare provider and figure things out as this person is sitting in an emergency room or something like that. So that's what happens for international. For domestic trips, we have we felt like a better value was to offer excess coverage for things that customers don't need, recognizing that most of those customers will have their own healthcare coverage for domestic trips. We can step in and cover the things that their healthcare coverage wouldn't cover, to things like deductibles typically. So that's how it works internationally and domestically. Does this only cover like emergencies or medically necessary? Like what keeps somebody from going abroad and being like, I'm going to get some, I don't know, lipo in Thailand or something. Yeah. We get claims like that occasionally, but you're right. The, The medical, whether it's domestic or international, medical coverage is for sudden and unexpected emergencies. It's to help you when when you're traveling and you need something because you had you you got ill, you had an injury, something like that, it is not for elective treatments for sure, and it's not for continuing treatments that you just might need. If it's your you've got a three month trip and in the midst of that three months your regular doctor visit comes up, we're unfortunately not able to cover that routine doctor visit either. Yeah, so you can't just use this and then get like teeth whitening in Brazil or LASIK in the Czech Republic or something like that. That's unfortunately true. Any other things that you guys cover that a lot of people don't even think about getting covered? Well, I think the other one we've already addressed, actually. I think it's some of those trip and convenience coverages that we put together kind of as a, a little bit of surprise and delight, perhaps in the event of something unfortunate happening, being able to just quickly process something and get some money into their Fay wallet to smooth out the bumps is something that I think would surprise people. It's not, it's outside the reimbursement basis. It's outside of, I think, the coverages that people think of when they think of travel insurance. I I know when I, before I even got into travel insurance, I thought of it for medical and maybe paying me back if I couldn't take my trip. Maybe if something happens during my trip, I might get covered. But the idea of, you know, having a flight that's canceled or something like that automatically generating a, a payment into my Faye wallet is something that I think would be surprising to people in a positive way. How much do these policies normally cost? What's the pricing structure for these? 
Uh, really depends on a bunch of factors. It it depends on the demographics of the customers, their age, let's be clear. It depends on the destination that they're going to, whether it's domestic or international. And I, I want to be clear about this. It depends on the age of the customer. That's really it. It can depend somewhat on the state where the customer lives because insurance rates are governed by the state. So there could be some variability there. And then it depends on whether they're traveling internationally or domestically and for how long and for how much their trip cost. So there's those are probably the biggest factors that are driving cost. The range can be anywhere from, I think, probably $75 or something like that up to far more than that, several hundreds or even thousands of dollars for lengthy, very expensive, luxurious trips where there's you know there's a lot of pieces involved in it and they've somebody's put down a lot of money accordingly the travel insurance policy is going to cost a bunch of money that could reimburse for those things as a former actuary i'm nerding out about all of the different factors that go into your pricing so if somebody goes to a country that's like well off the beaten path and they don't have a lot of infrastructure or anything does that tend to be more expensive because it's at higher risk of things going wrong or cheaper because it was a pretty cheap trip to begin with? That is an actuarial question. I'm smiling because actually I think there could be a time when that kind of pricing could come into play. It doesn't, it, it's not now. So I mentioned destination, but really it's destination about being either a domestic or an international trip. We are not saying, okay, you're going to Paris. So we'll have a rating factor of one. You're going to McMurdo in Antarctica, and that's going to be a rating factor of 12. That's that's not happening. There, there is, there, there's nothing like that in play currently. So currently is just how expensive was your trip? If something goes wrong, how much are we going to have to reimburse? So the more expensive your trip, the more expensive your insurance, as most things are. Yeah. With, with that international domestic difference largely being driven by the different medical benefit that's being provided. So whether it's primary or excess, it's 50,000 for for domestic trips, 250,000 for international trips. I know it depends on all of those factors that you just mentioned, but like on the very low end, if somebody just wanted like a bare bones policy or if somebody wanted like an all in, like anything goes wrong, I want money right away policy. What's like the range of premiums that you guys tend to see? So the bare bones, if somebody books with very close to departure, we will not offer them trip cancellation coverage because that doesn't make sense to pay money for trip cancellation coverage when you're leaving tomorrow, for instance. So that's going to reduce the price. On the other end of things, for the people that, again, are taking super expensive trips, and maybe have added on cancel for any reason coverage on top of that. And maybe they're renting a car and that's another per day charge. And maybe they've got some adventure sports activities that they're potentially engaging in and they want to have coverage for that. All of those things can add up to a more expensive policy. And again, I've, I have seen policies that cost several thousand dollars to cover trips. And I've at the low end of the range, again, I think I've I think it would be safe to say $70, $75 is probably as, as low as it can get. It still provides a substantial suite of benefits for things that happen after you leave. What kind of benefits does somebody get for like that low end range? Like for $75, what could somebody get? 
Yeah, so they would still be getting medical coverage. They would still be getting travel delay coverage. They would still be getting baggage coverage. They would still be getting uh, evacuation and repatriation coverage in case something really bad happens. And they've got to, you know, be airlifted out of wherever they are. What did I, oh, trip interruption coverage, I think was the other one I was gonna mention. So if, if something happens and they've got to interrupt their trip and they incur additional transportation expenses, change fees, things like that, that coverage would always be included as well. And that makes sense that if somebody is about to take their trip the next day, they can't really buy the cancel for any reason policy because at that point it's just anti-selection. They've probably decided they don't wanna go. And just so everybody knows, the cancel for any reason policy doesn't give you 100% of your money back, right? It's like 80% of receipts that you send in or something. It it can range. Phase is 75%, but that can range from for different carriers from anywhere from 50, and I think I've seen it as high as 80. So, so yes, there's rarely are you getting all of your money back. And that's another way to try to control and manage the expense of that very broad coverage otherwise. Yeah. And that makes sense because we have people who listen to this show all the time. We're like, okay, well, can I just churn money through and like buy a trip and then buy a policy and then cancel for whatever reason and get everything refunded back via Google Wallet or Apple Wallet so that I get the points, but then I get reimbursed as like a huge manufacturer spending scheme. No, you can't. Don't commit insurance fraud. <laughs> Thank you for that plug. Yeah, don't commit insurance fraud. That's like my main takeaway from all of this. Having worked in insurance also, uh, please don't commit healthcare fraud. Please just don't commit fraud. Please don't commit fraud. That's, that's yeah. it. So speaking of like drop one piece of advice, what would you say is your number one piece of advice for everybody given your experience in the trip insurance world for so long? I, I think I would say it comes down to a few things. I think it comes down to remember travel insurance when you're purchasing a trip. So it can be useful. And, and as we talked, the price varies so that you're not spending a couple thousand dollars on your trip to your mom's house, you know, two states away but it can still provide you plenty of protection that can help you even for those trips. So remember to buy it. And then once you have it, ask questions, find out what it is, what is covered. Make sure that you're an informed consumer so that you know if you're entitled to these benefits, that you'll get those benefits. Good carriers will help with this. And in fact, carriers are obligated to identify what coverages can apply to a situation. So if you're dealing with a reputable carrier and you say, this is the thing that happened to me, they should be able to say, okay, that's going to connect to your travel delay coverage for this benefit and your trip interruption coverage for that benefit and the trip inconvenience for that. But make sure you're dealing with a reputable company, I guess, is the third piece of this. Make sure you're you're dealing with a, a, a company that does the right thing by its customers, is looking out for customers, is a customer forward company. Make sure you make that right choice so that when you are an informed customer and you know what you're entitled to, you're going to get it. Absolutely. I think that's such a good takeaway to read the terms and conditions of what comes yes. with your credit card. When you get that bundle in the mail with the envelope that has like all the pamphlets and everything, don't just chuck that into your recycled bin. Actually read through what does your credit card come with. Read through your medical insurance policy and what is your deductible and exactly what is covered and what's not covered. And then that might save you as well when you are trying to purchase all of these, like the extra trip insurance for coverage on what's not covered on your medical policy. If you already know what's covered on your medical policy, then you can more easily fill in the gaps rather than just saying, everybody just 
overlap and so that I'm like quintupled covered by insurance. You don't want to be that overinsured. So just make sure you already understand what's covered by certain things, what's covered by airlines. Go to the Department of Transportation customer dashboard to figure that out. What is covered by your credit card? Read the actual bundle that came with your credit card or just Google Chase trip protections or Amex trip protections or whatever it is. Read your health care policy. They send you things in the mail all the time. Read what's actually covered in your policy, especially around September or October when it's open enrollment season for health insurance. Know what's actually covered already, and that can help you to make a more informed decision when it comes to trip insurance. So I love that. Totally true. Great advice. And speaking of if you do want trip insurance, where can they find you and where can they learn more about Faye? Absolutely. You can go to www.withfaye.com and we can make it very easy from you for you from there. That's all you need to do. And we can help you with, you know, getting the app and getting set up. And with just a few clicks and a, a couple of questions answered, we can have somebody with a policy in just a minute or two. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for everything that you have done and all of the information that you've provided today. I know this is such like a, I don't know if I should say scary or just like confusing thing for a lot of people is like, what if my trip goes wrong? This took so much time to like plan with points and to earn those points or just like a lot of money spent on a trip. So thank you for providing this information for us today. Absolutely. Happy to do it. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of the GeoBreeze Travel Podcast. If any of the cards mentioned in today's episode piqued your interest, please check out the links in the show notes for more information on any of the cards. Also, if you apply for a card using the links on that page, I may receive a commission too, so please and thank you. P.S. I hear the links work better in Internet Explorer or Safari, and sometimes the credit card applications tend to glitch out in Chrome. Additionally, it would mean the world to me if you could subscribe to this podcast leave a five-star review, and share it with a friend. And if you would like to make even more travel hacking friends, please sign up for the Patreon to access our monthly masterclass hangouts. We dive deep into a particular points program each month, and you'll get to ask all of your travel hacking questions and enjoy being around other people who enjoy points and miles just as much as you and I do. If you would like an invite to the next one, head over to geobreezetravel.com hangouts to sign up to be on the invite list. Take care and happy travels!